The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Welcome you to another episode of Porch Talk. This is your host, Alan. And we're in East Nashville. I'm with my new friend, Michael Bibbs. And he has a band called Modern Convenience. And we're here to learn all about that and how he got into music. And so, Michael, let's get it started. What's been going on lately? Uh, right now, getting ready for uh, two different festivals in town. Well, one in town called uh, Sweet by Sweet Town, Time Fest. And then uh, the Muddy Roots Festival, which is about an hour away, which uh, I guess is a bigger deal than I realized. Was, <laughs> people are really like, how did you get on that? <laughs> yeah. But, uh, and then I'm uh, planning on trying to tour sometime uh, towards the end of the year and then do another Europe tour next summer. And then uh, but I take, took a break for a while, just uh, kind of been going at it for... 15 10, 10 to 15 years now or yeah. been doing this band for 10 years yeah uh, officially right? yeah yeah as of uh march and um so i took a little bit, bit of break until like last week really <laughs> all right so we'll uh, we'll pause right there with the present let's take it back to the past so you grew up in memphis mm-hmm. and so just how'd you get into music man how did all that start well um i started i started off on drums first and my mom used to set up at the flea market sometimes. And um, I remember, like, hanging out there because I was a little kid. I was maybe, like, eight or nine. And uh, I wanted a Street Fighter Two video arcade mm-hmm. machine, and they had it up there. And my birthday was coming up. I was like, hey, mom, give me that, that video game, you know? Absolutely. And then, like, I was so pissed off. My mom bought me a drum set she had found at the flea market. I was like, what am I going to do with some drums? <laughs> you know? Is that one of the streets? I play drums? <laughs> yeah. And she instantly regretted it because I was just pounding on drums all the time. But then I took a break from... Um, How old were you? I was about 10. Like, and, you know, I still still play drums. I mean, honestly, it was the best thing in the world because, like... Yeah, it worked out now, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's the reason so, I'm able to record anything. Like, in the home at that time, was uh, music a big influence in the home? Was there a lot of music? You know, there were people listening to music. Like, I'm the youngest of seven, and so like, okay. um, my brothers, a couple of my brothers were into tunes. Um, my mom, that's why it was surprising. My mom wasn't really that. She liked gospel music because you know my mom's really religious, and um, and so yeah, it was just kind of a shocking present. <laughs> Not to think about it, you know, uh, it probably would have been easier for us to give me that video. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, it worked out. Like. Um, you know, I, though I started on drums and it didn't really catch my passion. It was guitar that made me like want to play in a band. So how did that um, start with you and guitar? Uh, I heard the song "The Man Who Sold the World," and I just the said, "Nirvana I wanna, cover or the original?" The original with uh, David Bowie, and then that kind of led into the Nirvana, and then that just you know led me into Pixies and all those the other Seattle bands. Sound. The Seattle Sound, yeah. And I was just instantly hooked. Because at first, I wanted to just learn that song. And I said, I'm not going to be one of those band people. And uh, <laughs> then I wanted to just write my own song. And then eventually I just, you know, started a band. So, so how are you when you picked up the guitar? I was like about 15 or 16. So there was a, big, a little bit of a gap between playing. Because I probably stopped playing drums actively yeah. around 12 or 13. And then I picked up about two years later guitar because I broke my ankle and there was nothing else for me to do. Yeah. But sit around and watch 
you know, TV and play yeah. guitar, you know, make the chords from the Mel Blaze book of guitar from the 50s and absolutely bug my best friend Mike to come and show me some noises. <laughs> so, so that first band, man, what was that like and uh, how did that form? Um, that was actually with Ryan Munson, like, uh, it was called Antique Curtains, and, uh, it's, you know, actually I hadn't thought about this in a long time, uh, my first, and, uh, I met this kid, Greg, at, well, okay, we gotta go all the way back, yeah, yeah let's <laughs> so go. I made, I made this tape, and it was called Analog Boy versus Digital Man, and I didn't know squat about recording at that point, mm-hmm. and, uh, it was like on a crappy Tascam 4-track, which, you know, I ended up using for years later once I actually learned Not how to how do this stuff. It. Yeah. And um, and I remember my friend Greg Faison, like, uh, I gave him the tape and he thought a couple of songs were cool. And he was like, man, I play drums. I'll play with you. He didn't really play drums. He played, had one beat, but that beat was, like, solid. Yeah. <laughs> and um, and then one thing and he could do it well. <laughs> yeah. And then I remember I was getting this, uh, there's this girl, I think her name was Carolyn. Uh, Carolyn or something like I worked with her for a little bit and uh, she was going to play keys and we were having trouble finding a bass player and then she bailed on us because she wanted to watch like Sex in the City or something like that she yeah, said sure. that, like no that was like the actual series it's like <laughs> practice <laughs> happens on the same night this show's yeah. going on we're and I was like show, okay <laughs> and, that's uh, what's going on man. <laughs> yeah and I remember uh, I was working with Ryan and give, I would give him a ride home and uh and like he told me that he played bass and he ended up playing uh we started practicing together and we decided just to do a three-piece and then we played my first show what genre was this uh it was still kind of similar to what i'm doing but for me i was doing i remember i was doing the it was kind of more surfy and heavier and uh, but also had this poppy punk thing going on and I would do these kind of weird voices for it, you know, and like, but it kind of caught on in Memphis, which was just odd. And uh, which is a tough scene to get into in the first place. Yeah, man, it is. I like, but that's something I like about Memphis. Um, you know, Memphis and Detroit and places like that. Uh, you can go to New York and you can play, and if people think you're cool, they're just like, whatever, you know, like they'll accept you. They'll they'll buy the shick. Um, but Memphis. In Detroit and places like that, there's a, like a certain realness to it, and so they actually they buy local records. You know, they care about music, and so you got to be you got to play and perform, and you got to be good. And there's um, so when they accept you, then it's they really do because they don't really give a flying whatever. <laughs> right. I, I'd <laughs> like know? to ask you this. Um, I've sat down with Josh Cosby from mm-hmm. Star and My Seat. Mm-hmm. You know Josh. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And. Uh, he talked about like the moment that Star Massey was accepted mm. into the music scene of Memphis. It, it was the Probably hardest. Jack. It was the hardest thing at first mm. because for the longest time, uh, it was almost as if they were outsiders, I can and see they were that. always looking in. Yeah. Well, they, I remember they were doing more of a pop kind of thing. Or it was Mumford and Sons before Mumford and yeah, Sons at yeah, first, right? Yeah, That's yeah. That's the way he kind and of I, described it. I remember when, because I remember they did some stuff with like Jack Oblivion, I think, too, right? Or or uh, something. There was some, or maybe played a few shows uh, with them. And um, that's when people started really starting to pick it up in the town. But yeah, I mean, that's the, that, that is the thing, too. Like Memphis would definitely have this more of a garage rock focus, you know? And if you weren't in that, they didn't really quite know how to respond to it. Mm-hmm. But if they did respond to it, like, they, they're they all in, you know? So, yeah, Memphis is definitely a um, <laughs> perfect story. I remember, uh, you know, this was, the, like, not height of his, like, intensity like, or his fame. But I remember being at the High Tone, and which was this older Memphis venue there, which I guess they built a new one. And, like... Meeting up with some friends and Jack White is there and wow. nobody gave a shit. <laughs> and people were like, "Hey, who's that weird guy in the corner?" Yeah. And I would just remember thinking, "Hey, that's Jack White, right?" Yeah. <laughs> He's know? kind of a big dude. <laughs> yeah, but people were like, uh, "That's just Memphis. That's the way it is," you know. So, which it can be like a, a nice thing if you're well famous and try, try to not be bothered. I guess like. Yeah. Uh, 
Um, but people, yeah, I mean, it, it definitely can be a hard, um, there's a lot of, can be weird politics going on too, in the, like any scene. But ultimately, like, I'm very, like, I always said Memphis, just after traveling everywhere I've gone, Memphis has some of the most unique artists and musicians and characters there because, like, it's such a, they're so out of touch with things, but it's a good, good way, I guess. Yeah. Because they're like five years behind, being five years behind, or maybe five years in the future, who knows? <laughs> but yeah. like they're they're in their own thing. Nobody ever wants to leave that town. They're in Memphis world, and it's like it's uh, it creates this whole new thing, you know. That's kind of the vibe I get, man. With uh, some of my favorite artists, they come from Memphis, mm-hmm. and uh, you get the vibe like when you get to sit down and talk to them is they don't really care if they ever get out. Yeah. Well, that was kind of how this band, Modern Convenience, started. Because I, I wanted a tour. And I couldn't find people who wanted to consistently leave the city. So I said, oh, okay, I'll record things. And then I'll just get musicians to go with me. Yeah. But that was the spearheading, spearheaded the idea. You yeah. know, because people were like, I'm good. You know? Yeah. <laughs> I'll be here. Yeah. I gotta, I'm going to, you know, there's a show coming up at the Buck later. I think I'm going to check that out. You know? Oh going to New York some other time (laughs) you know so I don't know something you kind of can dig about that city I guess you know and so Modern Convenience started a tour and so getting outside of Memphis uh, some of the cities you were going to was that New York and some other yeah I mean I would go to uh, I remember like Chapel Hill like guy we went on this my first like because like I said that's what I wanted to do with this band First tour like was really long. It was uh, Chapel Hill. We went to, you know, I was saying Mobile, Alabama, uh, yeah, yeah, New Orleans, Pensacola, Orlando. We ended up at some point in New York, you know, Detroit, and as uh, and then through Texas, you know. But that, like I really just kind of jumped into it, you know, like because that was uh, that was the whole point of the band, just to be able to get mobile, you know. So. Um... Was Modern Convenience, did y'all have a manager at this time? Somebody hooking this up or y'all doing it? it was- and I, yeah, I was just booking it like uh, myself. I made enough connections between like booking bands in Memphis and, and then touring with uh, Anti Curtains, you know, and uh, the guy who did my artwork for Modern Convenience now, like he was in a band called The Daily Void. This guy, everybody knows him as Mark or Mac Blackout, you know, it's my bud Mark. Uh, but he, he had tons of connections. So I would hit him up or those guys at Goner would give me like people to contact and, mm-hmm. you know, just all that. So it was easier to like hit people up like, Hey, can you get a show for this date? And, you know, there's a lot of planning and saving, you know, uh, and you hope things would be successful. So you're not starving, but it always worked out. You know, I was, I've, I've learned over the years, just talking to bands and getting to know people. I've been really, really lucky I haven't had a ton of like crazy band experiences, you know, like yeah. where I'm broke and starving or, you know, yeah. there was one where I was stranded uh, <laughs> once, like I bought this van and it died. <laughs> like, it was like actually the very first time we were about to take off on the road with Modern Convenience and, oh, no. and it was, it was, it sucked because uh, <laughs> we went, we ended up in, uh, it died on us on, I think, I can't remember if it was Alabama or we're going to play in Alabama, but I feel like it died in Mississippi. <laughs> And like, I remember it was kind of warm. (laughs) And then all of a sudden, we were like, "Oh, it's cool. We'll just wait till somebody comes and gets us," you know. And like, nobody came. Yeah, well, yeah. We and it started to snow, and I was like, "Where the fuck did the snow come from?" (laughs) But we had some whiskey and like Cheetos, and we were just like, "Yeah, make a party." And then it got really cold, and then eventually got my friend JB to like to come and pick us up, and then we got towed and. Tony was puking out of the side of the car. <laughs> yeah, I was going to ask you, like, yeah. touring out at first, man, what did it look like? So you went and out and bought a van for touring, I guess? Yeah, yeah. Well, that's really the past, up until maybe a year and a half ago when I got my Jetta, uh, like, I always bought vans thinking of touring, you know? Yeah. And I, you know, I even, I had a minivan, different minivans for years. Like, I became a soccer mom just so I can uh, be on the road. That's kind of the way my life just was geared for, you know? Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I mean, my my main thought anytime I looked for a car was, like, will my drums and my amps all fit in there comfortably? 
you know, yeah. so. Along with two or three other people? Yeah, yeah, exactly. So, and merch. <laughs> right. Mm-hmm. And so, as you were getting out around the States, how did, uh, how did you get international, man? How did the Europe thing come about? <clears throat> well, there was, um, there was a label called Savory Days that, uh, from, out of the UK, that put out, like, a, like a mini disc of ours, and that did all right, uh, but, Honestly, I there I knew I wanted to play Europe. Uh, I went and visited over there. Yeah. And um, and there's going to be a random story, but there was a taxi driver. We we were out in France, you know. We were and we didn't realize that like trains stop running at a certain time. We're used to like 24 hour stuff, and we catch a like a cab, and the ca- cab driver was typical French guy and not really wanting to talk to us, you yeah. know, silly Americans. And uh, and he asked us where we were from because I couldn't stop talking because I was drunk, and uh, <laughs> and like I told him Memphis and his reaction to Memphis and rock and roll and he was like Elvis Chuck Berry and I was like actually oh, yeah. Chuck Berry St Louis which I didn't really <laughs> yeah. and like uh, but his passion for that I just said man and he ended up giving us a free cab ride which like is unheard of there <laughs> and like just talking and being around somebody that passionate about music and the way he was talking about art stuff that we should check out when we're down because I told him I love art and I was like I want to play over there so I know at some point uh, I don't know when but I, I just emailed a bunch of because I found out you have to get go through booking agents and I just yeah. emailed a ton of uh, booking agents and then months later one contacted me I don't remember sending him an email and he was like I dig your band you want to come over to uh, Wild Wax Tours and they were based out of Ber- or Hamburg, and um, that's kind of how it started, you know. And so we got to go over there for our first tour, and it went really, really well. And I was right; it's like people over there were super passionate, you know. They just want, yeah. you know, they want to play, listen to rock and roll, you know. <laughs> yeah. So and so these members that were going overseas were these the original members that were touring mm-hmm. with you around the states? Uh, no, it, well, it was the members since I moved to Nashville, uh, or one of them was. Uh, because it was supposed to be me and Carlos, who's been my drummer since I've been in Nashville. Uh, he's always down to go. And um, and then this guy, Mac, but then he had some stuff come up, so uh, we ended up getting a fill-in with a guy who played with Carlos named Juan. And um, and so, yeah, it was he, so he had to learn the songs maybe like two and a half weeks before we took off. And, um, and he got his tickets and all that kind of stuff. And... It was uh, it was pretty. We were there for like over about a month, and it was a pretty because uh, you don't really get time off. You get we had two days in a month, you know. Yeah. And I, I just wanted to realize, man, I do a lot of squatting. My legs are killing me, <laughs> you know. But yeah, it was. I mean, that's where I met my fiance, you know. So like it was. Yeah. Uh, it's been it was an amazing time time of my life, you know. So. And so, how many tours have you had over in Europe now? And just how many you, countries have you visited? Oh man, I've been to God. It happens. Everything is so much a blur. But let's see. Uh, Italy. No, I've been to Italy. I've been to Germany. I've been to the Netherlands, and um, I think we went to France. And technically, we didn't play there, but we went through. Um, uh, Oh man, I don't know. It, that it's always kind of a blur because things happen so fast, yeah. you know. Uh, the last time I was over there, we just kind of played a festival. It was Get Lost Fest, and that was like a ton of fun. A lot of people came from all over. I met some kids from Spain that were like just came. really into your music. Yeah, they were like they were, so they were one of the bands that came to see, and they have this tradition. It was actually <laughs> where they pick people up and take a picture with them. And I'm a big guy, a bigger yeah. guy, you know. And like uh, they were, they were like, "Yeah, we're gonna do this." And they picked me up, and I knew because I recognized a booker from uh, another gig. He booked our for us in Dresden, and they gave him this, their phone to take the picture. I was like, "Man, that guy's wasted. This is not a good idea. You guys don't have to pick me up." Yeah. <laughs> and like they're holding me, they're sweating, they're like dying, and the guy's trying to figure out the phone, and he's like, <laughs> "Oh no!" <laughs> and I was just like, "Dude, you guys really don't have to do this." They're like, "No, this is our tradition." <laughs> And they show, got went back, showed them, and then picked me back up and like took a picture. And I was like, "Oh my god, these guys are like, yeah, out of control. Like this is unbelievable, you know." And I still don't know who they are. I don't even know where I can get that picture. 
haven't seen it surface. <laughs> no, no. Like one of the the girls that was with them was uh, hit me up because she wanted to use my album cover for some website, and I was like, sure. I should have asked her, like, hey, those other two you're with that picked me up, what was the deal? <laughs> yeah. you know? And so that album is this the album right here that she gave me? Uh, yeah, that's the it's latest so one. Mm-hmm. And so, how many albums has uh, Modern Convenience put out now? Oh man, that's a that's a good question. Um, <laughs> At least, I pretty much almost did one every year. Let's see, three or four full lengths. Uh, and then there's like a rarities thing. There's about to be another rarities now to celebrate the, and the video collection to celebrate like the 10 year thing. And then like 245s. Yeah. And uh, I think that's it. And man, I wanted to ask you um, I was checking out Modern Convenience on YouTube. One of the uh, music videos, you're like a scarecrow. Oh yeah, I forgot about that. Where did the <laughs> where did that know. where did that come from? Where did the idea come from? Uh, the person filming the video, like, just had that idea, and I didn't didn't really get it, but I was like, well, let's try it out. <laughs> I'm pretty much down for whatever. You where know? was it filmed out here in America? Uh, yeah, that was filmed in Memphis. Yeah, okay. that was actually my old neighborhood. I remember being just like grumpy that day because it was really hot. And we could, there was something going on, and we couldn't get certain things right. And I was just like pissy, and then I realized, man, I'm jumping around being a scarecrow. What is going on? <laughs> you know? Yeah. But it was uh, it was fun. It turned out turned out all right. You know. Yeah, man. So, uh, what brought you to Nashville? It uh, wasn't music. No, nah, it wasn't music. It was uh, I came here to buy a car, and I thought it was a good place to ride bikes. You know, <laughs> that's yeah. pretty much it. I was just like, I wanted something new, try something different. I was on the, I was debating on where I was going to move, and uh, N- Nashville just kind of seemed like the right place at the right time. Yeah. You know? But I, when I moved here, I didn't realize how uh, hip it was going to be, or people were going to be vacationing here and coming here. And it was a big, you know, I, honestly, I had only been here maybe four times total. You yeah. Know, so. So how long have you been here now? About five years, four and or five so, years. so, um, off and on throughout the night, man, you've kind of mentioned, like, when you first got here and how dramatic the change has been over those years. Yeah. So, when you first got here, man, what was that like? When I first got here, it really wasn't that different than Memphis, you know? It was like, I mean, it had a more developed downtown, but the neighborhoods were just kind of, like, normal artists, a little broken down, but, like, not, you know, totally destroyed, you know? And, um... There was a lot more, I felt like, just regular folk, you know? And now, it's like the double-decker houses and a lot more, uh, you know, like, the suburbs took over the the city, you know? Yeah. So, I think uh, I was, I think I told you this earlier about running and, like, I like to go jogging and stuff. Yeah. And, um, you know, I look over and my neighbor's watering his lawn, waving at me, and he has a boat behind him. And I was like, I never thought I'd live in a neighborhood with a boat yeah, guy. Yeah. <laughs> you know? It's kind of strange. But, yeah, too. yeah. And it's like, what a dramatic change in not that long of a time, you yeah. know? And so as far as, like, the music scene, if you can kind of project on that, how much has that changed just here in East Nashville over the past five years? It's changed. Um, there, I mean, there's, you know, the thing about Nashville, it has a lot of different scenes. It was all splintered. You know, when I got here, it was a little more concentrated, I feel like, as far as, like, the underground music goes. Now, you know, you have the Dark Matter kids, you know, and they have a really cool venue, like, what they're trying to do there. Um, That's more of a kind of, and you have, like, a bunch of, like, heavy bands who are more, like, stoner metal popping up. But then there's a lot of this, like, really spacey pop, you know, so it's just... Um, which was, that wasn't there when I first moved to town, you know? So it's just, uh, yeah, everything's a little bit more different, you know? Like, um, yeah, I I don't know. It's, uh, I felt, I think there was a lot more, maybe more punk bands when I first moved to town, you know? Yeah. And now it's it's either hardcore or it's extreme pop, you know? So polar opposites almost yeah 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 and so just to take a bar like uh, what we were in the night at the cobra it wouldn't be unusual to see maybe both yeah playing at a bar like that well yeah i mean 
now, yeah, for sure. Like, uh, you might have a late show be like a heavy band. <laughs> yeah. You know, the pop band play earlier. So, and then the Cobra was even, it was called the Food Bar when I first moved to town. It was a little grimier, you know, and now they have a nice patio. But at least it's still basically the same thing. But the Mickey's, like, like we went to first, man, that place, uh, it's super yuppified now, you know? Yeah. It's like, uh, it used to be just this dive bar that I can go to and chill and you didn't have to yeah. listen to music, you know? You can just listen to the jukebox, you know? Yeah. Now it's just like, yeah. you know, college kids and... <laughs> yeah, man, I, I appreciate uh, when we left your house earlier to go out, like, uh, as we were walking out um, and we were having a discussion about, like, when you go out to a town, uh, people just want to show you it's almost like they want to patronize yeah they want to show you the pretty sides man I, I really appreciate you kind of this is where i like to go this is this is where i like to eat this is this little hip italian place oh yeah nicoletta's that is one positive of change that we've had <laughs> <laughs> so we got a good bite to eat and we literally walked next door yeah. and we were at mickey's and it was just packed yeah and um we walked on down to the cobra yeah and uh, it w- it was weird, man, going back to the Cobra because uh, before we come to your house, we were riding around and we just saw uh, the mural on the side of the Cobra, and I was like, if I was punk rock, that's where I would be. Let's go here. Yeah. And we stopped in there for a beer before we came here. You yeah. Know? And uh, just by happenstance, we would end up there again, and it was a good choice because it's a big place. Yeah. It's got a good patio. Well, the cool story behind that, too, is uh, the place that used to be the food bar, reason they changed its name, the bartenders ended up buying the bar, and then they changed the name to Cobra. So it still kind of has this, you know, lifeblood in it. Yeah. So. Yeah. That's a cool joint, man. Yeah. And uh, it's just good to get out in East Nashville because just trying to experience it and... Uh, you ever watch Anthony Bourdain's Parts Unknown on Netflix? I never did, man. Like, I feel like I'm the only one, though. He uh, he did this episode on Nashville, and he spent quite a bit of time in Nashville. And so, like, I think, like, people who are just completely disconnected to music altogether, when they think Nashville, they think country. But yeah. Nash- Nashville hasn't been country specifically for years no i mean i feel like that's mainly the downtown area you know right uh, i like, mean you know the popular right. yeah. yeah radio music kind of stuff yeah. yeah but i mean you get out here in east nashville i mean like you said man it's really yeah pretty anything you could imagine i mean you can even go to the west side of town where like that betty's bar is and like i said or even there's another place we didn't go called dark matter and there's like uh, some cool underground stuff going on there and then like a lot of different bands happening here. That was one of the things that was kind of appealing when I first moved to town. Yeah, and I think like with people like Jack White coming in town, Dan mm-hmm. Arbach, mm-hmm. Um, you have a lot of different uh, rock and roll kind of guys coming to town, and I yeah. think that changes the scene on top of just this underground. Yeah, I mean, having Third Man there is definitely, because it's like that level right before uh, people really blow up, you know, like come through there. Mm-hmm. So that's probably been really beneficial there you know and they just opened one in detroit too so i think right. that's doing pretty well yeah. but yeah having that kind of spotlight on the city is probably what's helped it uh be like uh, a destination place you know yeah and so man um you and i are both sport fans oh yeah huge bulls man <laughs> bulls fan. so let's go nba for a minute yeah <laughs> and so i'm a raptor fan and so uh i won the lottery this past season yeah how did you feel about the leonard taking off i'm okay with that yeah me too man it's, I it's, thought... they signed him for a one and done yeah and they got a title you and can't he be came upset in and that. done exactly <laughs> what you signed him for you cannot beat that you and know? if the raptors are doomed for good honestly a bit to be because like I'm a huge basketball fan in general, so like I keep up with every team, and I think the Raptors are going to be a really good team. I think Pascal Siakam is going to be better. He continues to grow and surprise yeah. me. And OG Ananobi, people forget that guy was like Pascal was not supposed to be the guy that took that leap. It was supposed to be OG the year before. Yeah, it was. And like, what did he have like? Um, like a appendix issue or something like that. It was, it was some kind of yeah. internal thing. Going yeah, on. and he didn't even play until like the. Actually, he never played in the finals, so like yeah. he was out in most of the playoffs. So it's um, that guy is going to have a big, big year, and 
I mean, they still have some veterans, at least for this year. I think they'll be solid, and they actually have a foundation for the future. And the thing I liked about this offseason with all the trading is, like, there's not this idea of just powerhouses in the NBA. Oh, yeah. It's Parody. almost like there's there's just duos all over the league now. Oh, yeah. I love that, man. Like, to me, that's that's the best. That's, like, when it's parody in the NBA, you know? Like, any that. team, you it's know. It's like we're entering into a new era now. Yeah, totally. Like, well, I think about... People always talk about the the Bulls teams, right? Yeah. Um, you look back at the early 90s, the first run of the Bulls team, they really, I mean, Horace Grant was not a Hall of Famer. I mean, he's not a Hall of Famer. Scottie Pippen was not the Scottie Pippen until he the second round time around with mm-hmm. Jordan. So there was like anybody could win those series. There was always this, like, can they pull it off? I mean, you know, and I remember watching the Bulls versus the Seattle Supersonics and I just remember thinking, like, I don't know if the Bulls are going to be able to beat Gary Payton and Kemp, you know? Yeah. I mean, it was Michael Jordan, so I should have known, but I was young. <laughs> yeah. But, like, you know, it's like, that's that's the exciting part about sports, competition, you know? So, having super teams go the way of the Dodo Bird. And I still say Kawhi Leonard, the dynasty killer, you know, he chose not to go to the Lakers, and that is another dynasty that he eclipsed, you know? Like, having that, he helped create the new... Let me ask Around you this, is I think him going to the Clippers, I think that people have forgotten just how important defense is. Oh, God. And when you think about Patrick Beverly. Yeah, Paul George. Paul and George. Kawhi Leonard. And Kawhi. Oh, my God. <laughs> yeah, I thought about Now, <laughs> now there is this other L.A. team. Think about those three. Who can really go up against A.D., though? Is there anybody there that can defend A.D. and LeBron at the same time? Like, I mean, LeBron, yeah. You have, like, the two people who've played LeBron. I know that sounds weird to say because it's LeBron, but the two people who've played LeBron the best. And I, if they would have signed Iguodala, they'd literally have the three best defenders ever against LeBron. The people who won finals MVP and the guy who almost upset him, like, just because they defended LeBron. Yeah. Uh, so I'm not. And LeBron's slowing down, you know. I mean, it's he just. Is. I mean, you can't hate on him for it. I mean, it's just like. He's. Uh, 35, Elma. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so, you know, AD, he's got to prove it to me, man. Like, I mean, I think he gets a little bit of a pass for a guy. You know, those New Orleans teams weren't bad, and he couldn't get them to the playoffs. Yeah. You know, and in the playoffs that one year, you know, they upset Portland, but they got crushed by Golden State, yeah. you know. And before that, he was injury prone, you know. So, like, to me, I didn't understand what his uh, – Hostility, hostility towards New Orleans because I was like, not like they were the Knicks for the past year, <laughs> right? You know, they were actually putting some talent around you, you know, and yeah. so we'll see. I mean, there's a few matchups I think they could do against AD, and honestly, like, I mean, AD is a good six ten, six eleven. I mean, they could try the Kawhi on him. I mean, I say this just because I saw. I wouldn't have said this until the Eastern Conference Finals last year. Yeah. And I saw, like, Kawhi get put on uh, Antetokounmpo. Mm-hmm. And I was... The Greek sh- freak. Oh, yeah, the Greek freak. And I was like, oh, he's going to have him for lunch, you know, because it's just the size difference. And he didn't. Yeah. You know, and to me, the Greek freak is a jump shot away from being one of the best players I've ever seen, you know? Dude, he, it, when you say Greek freak, yeah, nickname worthy. Yeah, yeah. I, he truly is saw a that freak. coming? You know what I mean? The 15th pick? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, like, Stunned. oh my God. Like, but yeah, and Kawhi, he's the reason they just shut him down. Like, he turned the faucet off, and with, if he can uh, do that to that guy. With the Raptors in uh, their postseason, they, uh, in my opinion, they had a really hard road. Yeah. Like, I don't think anybody really thought about it a whole lot, but you had the 76ers. Yeah. That wasn't easy. No, that wasn't easy. They could have easily lost that you series. You had Ben Simmons. You had Jimmy Buckets. Yeah. And they and, were playing well. <laughs> and uh, uh, Orlando was the first round matchup. Yeah. yeah. And, and then you had to play the Celtics. Yeah. Not exactly easy. Oh, no, no. It was no, uh, no, Milwaukee. Celtics got put out by the Bucks. Yeah, yeah. But I honestly, I thought the Bucks were going to win that series. I was like, there's no way. Because mm-hmm. Kawhi was limping, you know, and they had a tough series. Bucks had plenty of rest. They got up 2 0. I was like, this is over. Yeah, I and, did too. Man, you get 
the Adamire Kawhi's defense, man. Like, it's no joke, you know? Yeah. I th- I, like I say, I think people have forgotten that D word in NBA basketball. I agree. Because it goes back to uh, Papa yeah. over in the Spurs. He hates the three-point game. Yeah. It's like, <laughs> that's not basketball. No, I think it's, it's an oversaturation of three-point shots. And you also have, um, you know, the recent defense has changed so much, you know, because they took out the hand check. All the rules are towards right. the offensive player. And... I mean, you gotta have some some advantage for a defensive player. That's important too. That other side of the ball, and mm-hmm. somehow Kawhi's figured out how to do it. Paul Patrick George Beverly figured out is how to do it. a beast at doing it. Oh God, Patrick Beverly. In my like, opinion, yeah. he's the best defensive player in the league. Well, I don't know about that because uh, Giannis is pretty fucking good too. I mean, he could have easily won Defensive Player of the Year. Okay. But Patrick Beverly, like man, I love the hell out of that guy. He's a Chicago kid, and. Um, Though I remember like thinking that uh, he clipped, I remember I hated him for a while because like I'm a huge Russell Westbrook fan. I am too. Yeah, and like Westbrook's my favorite NBA player. Yeah, I love the way he plays in his. Do you think that him and um, Harden together at the Rockets is good or bad? It can be really good. It either it won't be a middle ground. It's either going to be fantastic or it's going to be terrible. I think it's going to be a train wreck. Yeah, I don't know, man. I I wanted to say that because in my head it didn't seem like it would be a good matchup. But they've done it before. They're good friends. And more importantly, they want to make it work. And if they find a way to make it work, that's tough. You know? Because like, they both like to shoot. Yeah. Well, Westbrook said he's willing to sacrifice. He's willing to stay off the ball. And if he's willing to do that, and the way Harden plays, and if he's willing to be a facilitator more so, that's going to be a tough, that's going to be a really fun season next year. You it know? really is. And so you have uh, uh, Curry and oh, they're split now. Dude, I think Golden Thompson, State, Curry and Thompson yeah, split. Yeah, well, I think they're going to be, uh, when Thompson comes back healthy, and honestly people killed him for the D'Angelo Russell move. I think that's a perfect move. I think they'll keep him. I don't think they just got him to flip him. I think that team is going to, Golden State's going to be right there still. They're the only team still with four All-Stars. I mean, yeah. Why? I mean, if they're healthy in the playoffs and they make the playoffs, I wouldn't bet against them. You know, yeah. they have experience, they have shooting, they have defense, they have a guy who can create his own shot besides Curry and Clay and like off the dribble. So I just don't understand why people are counting out the Golden State Warriors. And I'm not, I'm not even a huge fan. I was just like, it didn't make any sense to yeah. me. And their their bench. It's a hundred times better in it this year. They got Willie Colley Stein and Alec Burke. I know I'm getting way too hyped, but <laughs> but I thought those were like amazing moves and nobody gave a shit, you know? Yeah. Yeah, I'm sorry. Yeah, man, it's anything. <laughs> but uh yeah, the bench gets overlooked a lot. Oh, that's important. And that's another thing with the Lakers is um I know a lot of Lakers fans and I was like, guys, you're getting on uh, a bench, but it's not a good bench. <laughs> yeah. Well, the problem with the Lakers is the problem I saw with my current Chicago Bulls team last year. They got a good players, right? Yeah. Uh, but they're good at the one thing. They're either great offensively or great defensively, with the exception of Anthony Davis, who's good on both ends. Mm-hmm. And so you got to make a choice when you're putting a player in. You got to say, do I need defense right now from a guy who can't shoot? You know, because everybody overrates Avery Bradley now because he used to be a great defender. Past two years, he's been terrible. You know, Rondo doesn't play defense anymore. Mm-hmm. I mean, he's great. He's almost allergic to it. Yeah, and he used to be amazing. You know, and LeBron. Let's not even talk about that. Yeah. <laughs> Guy became the worst defensive player I've ever seen. Yeah. Like he just points at everybody now. So they're. On paper, you're looking at that team, and you're like, man, they're deep too, you know? Because I think Boogie's going to be better than people give him credit for. I think Kuzma is going to show up. I think he's ready to take that step. But Kuzma's a terrible defender. Boogie could have had trouble staying on the floor, you know? He's been injured probably lately. Yeah, he has, man. But, I mean, that's because uh, he was just overweight. I mean, he lost his weight. He has, and so that's kind of yeah. scary now. Yeah, but he... You know, even when he was thinner, he's never been a good defensive player. I think he misses the concepts or something. I think that it gets in his own head a lot, too. He yeah, gets, you're probably He gets right. pissed off. Yeah, he does. Oh, yeah. But, you know, he was a little better with that in Golden State last year. Yeah. So. Um, but, yeah, man, I'm super excited about this this NBA season. I can't I can't really wait, yeah. honestly. And seeing Zion Williamson 
in the uh, preseason. Dude, the Pelicans, you know, if the West wasn't so crazy, they could easily make the playoffs, you know? They're, mm-hmm. The only team I would say for sure is head and shoulders better than them is the Clippers, yeah. which is a weird thing to say in this day and age. <laughs> it really is, but, dude, like, if I had the same preseason, like, put a gun to my head, who's going to go to the finals? Oh, Clippers. Clippers. <laughs> yeah, dude. Think about, they have Lou Williams. I forget about that guy. They have, um, what's that center guy from uh, Montress Harrell? There you, you go. Know? Uh, Zubox, mm-hmm. you know, which the Lakers just gave away. I never understood that move. Yeah, and then the three guys we've already talked about. Yeah, I mean... Those three guys alone would have made them like a, yeah. <laughs> a good team. So, and oh, there's another kid. Uh, he was a rookie last year, and he probably will get playing time now. Jerome Robinson, watch out for that guy. Okay, like he, he, that guy's a baller. And now that he has an opportunity, I feel like he could be a really big piece, especially on a championship contending team. Yeah, so, yeah. Because last year it was this because of Shea Alexander and the other pieces they had, he just couldn't get in the game. So. But yeah. So, man, I cannot wait. Yeah, me too, man. NBA's going to be fun. Well, man, let me ask you this. Just down the road, modern convenience. Mm-hmm. What, uh, we got festivals coming up? Mm-hmm. Are we getting back overseas? What's what's the future for modern convenience? Keep recording, yeah. keep touring. Yeah, keep, keep recording. I'm going to try to uh, record a new record. Uh, this is first time in, since I can remember that. Because it started off as just a recording project, you know, that was the whole point initially, and then I used it for touring. Where did the name come from? Uh, it just came to me one day. I was at home after uh, Cooper Young Fest, and I just played a show with my old band, and I was just kept sketching on this little TV, and I wrote Modern Convenience on it, and it just, just kind of happened. Yeah, it just stuck. So I was yeah. like, that'd be a good band name. <laughs> I'll use that for this demo stuff, and you know. I'll give you that. So, but yeah, hopefully. Um, I gotta hit up Yens, but like hopefully we're gonna try to get back to Europe uh, next spring or summer. That's the kind of the goal we've been talking about it, and um, and there's a couple festivals. I want to play Get Lost Fest again, and there's another one uh, that's going on in the Netherlands that I got invited to last year that yeah. I couldn't do because of conflicting things. So, and um, yeah, I'm looking forward to getting back on the road, but I'm also trying to get settled with life stuff and. Yeah. You know, so it's kind of a juggling act. You're engaged now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So just kind of figuring out how to... And we're going to... Me and Kirsten are starting a band, too. So, like, we've been recording stuff. And, and so we didn't talk about that. How did y'all meet? Uh, we met in uh, my first show in Germany, actually. And um, she came up to... Well, I, it's kind of a longer story. But, like, I was sick that day. Mm-hmm. And nobody was at our merch booth. And I was just trying to get back to my dressing room, and I couldn't figure out what, is, where is everybody? You know, it turned out everybody was getting drunk and hammered, and <laughs> and like uh, I, I, I was very close to just saying fuck it. I'm just gonna go back. I'm gonna lay down, and I went there and sat, and then the one of her roommates came up and started talking to me, uh-huh. and I was just like, oh, this seems like a really nice guy, but I don't want to talk, <laughs> you know, and like. Uh, and then she came up, and there was just a sense of connection, yeah. and we talked and talked about film and life, and it was just like a random conversation just to have. And clicked, yeah. And I went back up and went dancing and uh, and hung out the rest of the night. And I messaged her and told her like uh, it was nice to meet her and blah blah blah. And she said she'll be around. She, she at the time was playing in the band. And what did uh, she play? Well, she plays a few different instruments, but in that band, she was like singing and playing, um, like uh, not ukulele. Uh, I forgot the name of it. It was like a otter instrument, where you're, like it looks like a piano, but you're blowing into it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know um, she, oh. And then she had a megaphone, and yeah, I can't remember what it's called. I, I want to say xylophone, but I don't think that's right. That's not it. Yeah, no. um, I know what you're talking about though. It's a piano. It's a piano that yeah, you blow into. Yeah, yeah. It almost looks. It's like a weird piano flute cross thing. Yeah. Um, but they played in Berlin the next night, and then so she was free, and she met me in Hamburg because it was one of my few nights off, and we hung out, and then met up again in Berlin, and I just said, "Hey, you want to come on a tour with me for a little bit?" And we, she came on a couple of dates, and then we've been hanging out ever since. And she came to America for the first time, like three or four months later, 
and I took her on another tour. <laughs> and then, like, uh, I don't know, we, you know, we haven't really, uh, I mean, we've been apart when we have to go from country to country or whatnot, but for the most part, we've been together communicating every other day. So, it's the love of my life. So, I'm really lucky that I met her. So. Yeah, man. Awesome. And so, man, when you're not making music and being a sport fan, mm-hmm. what are the hobbies you got? Um, well, I like bike riding, as I said. Uh, I like playing chess. You know, sometimes I like playing video games when I can. Um, I like the paint, uh, but I don't ever really show anybody my art. <laughs> okay. uh, actually, Kirsten hasn't really seen much of it. Um, and I don't know. Just hanging out with friends and family, you know. Listen, to, I love listening to people's stories. I, I like writing. I eventually want to write a script and uh, make a short film or two. You know, yeah, like I'm really into uh, stories and like watching characters develop and you know. So I, I just kind of want to do something like that one day before Absolutely. before I bite the dust. You know. Yeah. So. Just another creative process. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think there's something really wonderful about the. Um, you know, the birth of a idea of a story, you know? Absolutely. And, like, figuring out how to start that character and how to end that character. And then that stuff in between is just, like... Yeah, and helping the audience connect and actually connect to the person. Yeah, yeah. And, like, what's going to happen to him? I don't want him to die. Yeah, yeah. Or you don't always make him, like, uh, easily connectable, you know? Sometimes yeah. you're, like, before you know it, you're, like, I kind of like this guy, even though he's kind of... He's awkward. Something, you know? Something so, weird about him. But yeah, but figuring out... Because it makes you think more about the, the human dynamics, you know? And, like communication and people and how complex things can be yeah yeah complexity and you know people are complex and that's a good thing you know yeah. so it's good to have different personalities and perspectives and you know trying to understand each other you know yeah man so. well brother it was good to have you on another episode of Porch Talk dude thanks for doing this it was fun yeah man we'll go ahead and walk this thing out the door right. and uh, we'll play some Modern Convenience Awesome. <laughs> All right, we're out of here. News and notes. Thank you so much for listening to another episode of Porch Talk. Got two favors to ask of you. Number one, would you rate and review the show? And tell a friend and leave a comment. Uh, it helps out a lot. I don't know all the algorithms behind that, but also there is this $1 patreon drive that i'm doing and you can connect with us on patreon that is on the website uh, that's www.porchtalk.podomatic.net and uh it's also on most of the sites that you listen to porch talk on such as itunes and google and podomatic and you can find it on the facebook page go ahead and get the facebook a like follow us on instagram that would be dope number two is uh, show Michael Bibbs and Modern Convenience some love. This is more important to me. Would you go out and follow them on social media? I know they're on Instagram and Facebook. Modern Convenience. And uh, they got some tours coming up, as you've heard. And I would love to hear that you caught one of their shows at one of these festivals. So, I'm going to start walking this thing out the door. We're going to play you something off the latest album so so modern we're gonna play the track called so so modern i gotta get out of here peace out
how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.